This episode of the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast is brought to you by Team Link of Hooksit, New Hampshire. That's 1338 Hooksit Road in Hooksit. And their phone number is 603-641-3444. They specialize in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, kickboxing, um, and they are, they were started, uh, Team Link was started under the tutelage of great UFC heavyweight Gabriel Gonzaga. Uh, if you mention that you heard about, uh, Team Link hooks it on the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast, they will give you 30 days free of classes and also will give you a free t-shirt. Again, 30 days free of classes and a free t-shirt if you mention the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast. When you go to or call Team Link in Hooksit. We are also brought to you by Pizza 911, voted best pizza in Manchester by the Hippo Press. Uh, they've got all kinds of stuff as well as pizza. They have gluten-free pizza. They've got subs, salads, breadsticks, cinestics, uh, all kinds of fried whatnot. Um, and they have great food there. If you mention that you heard about uh, Pizza 911 on the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast. They will give you free breadsticks. And their phone number, if you want some delivery, is 625-2201. That's in the 603 area code. 603-625-2201. He's Nicholas, and he's ridiculous. It's the Ridiculous Nicholas Show! Right here we go. There it is. Nick David here. Ridiculous Nicholas podcast. That's the name of it. You know Ridiculous that. Nicholas. That's I like that. That's the name that. of the podcast. Ridiculous Nicholas. Got a website and everything. And I'm here with another Ridiculous Nicholas. My good friend Nick Moss, who's on tour from Chicago. And uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, the shows that you have happening right now. Well, first of all. I have to correct you. I'm a Dominic. Oh, that's right. I knew that, too. I'm a Dominic. I knew that. Because we had this whole conversation before. You know what I find that's really hilarious? Is how people, they can't make the connection between Dominic and Nick. Well, because most, when most Dominics that shorten their name go to Dom. Still, but Dominic and Nick, you know, is, you know, how, how, how far away is that in most people's minds? Because I, really, where do you get Nick from? What do you mean, where do I get Nick from? It's part of the name. It's part of my name, Dominic. <laughs> it's not like Richard and Dick. That's a weird one. Yeah, that is a weird combination. That's a weird one. Dick, it's short for Richard. Or Denny. No. Or Denny. People call, like, Richard, like, like uh, Linwood Slim. He's, Denny? Yeah, Richard. His mom calls him Denny. Well, that might just be a nickname for him. Though. No, but, I mean, other people call him Denny. I've heard that before. Huh. Anyways, sure I, it's not a I always called him Dick. Was he? <laughs> no, man. I didn't know him. I didn't know him at all. Slim was the best, but I, we, I, used to, I used to call him up on the phone. And I'm like, Dick, Nick, and he knew right away who it was. You know. Anyway, I, I met him one time. He came through. Uh, Stubbs brought him over here. Yeah, and he seemed like a cool dude. I was on there. I was that was bass. right. I played, I played bass for, for that. That's right. You played bass for that. I forgot yeah. about that. I was on that. I was on that little run. That was a fun little trip up to, uh, we went up to Horse Feathers. That's right. Up in North Conway. Had a little, had a little road trip up there. That's right. It was a good time. You had to sit in the van and bash other musicians. Yeah. 
I miss it. I was just having this conversation with with uh, with Ray. Well, you were asking the shows that we got going on right now. Actually, we're doing a little New England run with my band, the Nick Moss Band, and we got a couple special guests. We 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 had uh, I had asked Sugar Ray uh, Norcia if he wanted to come up on the and do some shows with us while we were in the area, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I got nothing going on." So uh, we put him on. Um, uh, first show was at the Iridium in New York City, and then last night we played uh, Johnny D's, and tonight we're in Tupelo at the Tupelo Music Hall in Londonderry, and, and then Sunday in Wilmington, Delaware at the World Cafe. So that's such a Tupelo is a really good venue. Have you have you done anything there before? I'm, I've not, I haven't played any of these venues, so we we you know, uh, you know I figured hey, you know. If I go down, I go down. But I figured, you know, having someone from the area would help. And then on top of it, you know, Jason Ricci was available because Jason just got got a chance of a lifetime. He got to play at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as so part nice. of the yeah, no, as part of the induction for Paul Butterfield. He got this call out of the blue from Paul Schaefer's people from the Late Night Band. You know, Paul Schaefer's music director for that whole shindig. So nuts. And you know, me and you were talking earlier about Peter Wolf, and the reason I brought that up was supposedly. 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 (laughs) Jason said that he heard that it was Dan Aykroyd, who happens to be a fan of Jason's. You know, he's got his you know his radio show, the Blues Brothers Hour or whatever. I've done it a couple times, which is a weird thing because you're actually interviewed. By someone completely different, and then they just edit it down, and they then put he put his voice in. Yeah, it's great. That's so weird. So when you hear it back, he's you know he's doing the he's totally doing the Elwood voice. So Nick, let me ask you a question, and it's really you're in the studio, and it's com- <laughs> someone completely different talking to you. Yeah. That's so bizarre. I had no idea. So, uh, but apparently it was Dan Aykroyd who at at some point spoke to Peter Wolf about. Um. You know, about Jason, because, you know, Peter was the one that was giving the induction speech for Paul Butterfield. And so Peter Wolf, I, I then related on to Paul Schaefer, and Paul Schaefer said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll give him a listen to. And apparently he liked what he heard, and then Jason got the call. Mm-hmm. So he got to be Paul Butterfield on stage, you know, that night so and play nice. the parts. And he had to play on the stage with uh, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine and Zach Brown. I was like, how weird would, would that be? What a, what a strange combination of human beings. Just, just the people. The well, backgrounds and music are so. Yeah, you know, I think. Crazy and diverse. I you think know? for the most part, like, something like that, you know, they're trying to sell tickets to get some, you know, some more well-named people on the stage. But I also think that some of these guys genuinely have you know, a respect for the artists that they're representing too. And I think like especially like Tom Morello gave a nice little speech about a- afterwards I saw this video uh you know backstage and he was saying, you know, his influences were most mostly guitar players, but he was also influenced really by musicians. Not not this not the songs and not the band leaders. But just by musicians and, and people like Paul Butterfield and the, and the band 
that Paul had. Just musicians that could play and represent their music and, and then he gave, and then, of course, you know, everyone was ignoring Jason Ricci on the stage because you got these two stars and no one knew who Jason, and then they give this shout out to Jason, Tom Rawls, what about, you know, how about the, this great harmonica player, Jason Ricci? And so he got to the mic and got to talk. Nice. And, I haven't seen any of it yet. Oh, it's cool. And actually on the main stage during the, the performance, he, Jason takes his killer solo. And then Tom Morello and Zach Brown are like shredding on their guitars. But at the end of the performance, you know, when, when they announced them coming on stage, they only announced Zach Brown and, and Tom Morello. They never even called mm-hmm. Jason's name. But after the performance ended and the crowd's clapping, Zach Brown went to the microphone and goes, how about for Jason Ricci on that harmonica? And the crowd went nuts. That's pretty cool. So I, I, that was awesome, man, especially for Jason. And, I, you know, in, in, in the long run, hopefully for blues, man, that'll give a little boost and help. It's going to be on HBO in a month, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> you know, how would the year of the blues do for us? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I love that, that. I love that that whole thing happened. But man, the state of things these days is tough. It's just tough. Everything. So many places are closing down. So many places are not doing blues anymore. Yeah. They're switching. They're switching music, or they're not having music, or they're just kaputs done. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh you know regionally it's it's a it's a pretty pretty brutal thing man you see these clubs that have been around forever and ever that you just never would consider would close down you know like harper's ferry well you know the blues audience is getting older you know there's no doubt about that you know the median age of your average blues fan is what like 45 40 you know i think uh, you're being generous well yeah (laughs) maybe i am maybe 55 i'll say but like but anywhere from like you know late 30s on up to you know your 70s is your crowd pretty much and those people don't want to go out late. I think if if more clubs took a took a stance or took a chance to start doing earlier shows like the one we did last night, you know, they would be way more successful and and smoke free shows. I know a lot of states now are smoke free. Some states aren't though. I mean, and you know, do a smoke free show an early show, man, it'd be it'd be a lot more successful. But I think my 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 biggest issue and. I think you and I have talked about this before. It's like, I always thought, like, why do we have to have such, such a separation? Why, why is there so much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oh man. I just woke up, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on a second. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, segregation yeah. in, in music. Why is there so much segregation in music? Why do you have to have just blues? Just jazz clubs, just, and festivals. Why just blues? You know, back in, back in the sixties, when blues made its comeback, you know, when they had, when blues was really making a comeback in the sixties, it was because all these great folk and rock festivals that were happening, where you had everyone on stage. Different fucking, excuse me, different acts. You can cuss on that. I can cuss on different fucking acts. (laughs) All different kind of, you know, from everywhere, man, were playing together and you, Clubs like the Fillmore, you know, putting, you know, Jefferson Airplane and Holland Wolf on, you know, on the same bill and whatever. You I see a lot of blues festivals these days that are having big 
big headliners that aren't blues. Athletes. I think I think you there know? yeah I think there's some of these guys are starting to figure it out, but I think that if there was a little bit more diversity in the music for the festival, I mean one of the, I think one of the most successful festivals at least in North America right now that I know of that does a really good job with their diversity and they still call it a blues fest is the Ottawa Blues Fest. And they have a really huge diversity of music that's not just strictly blues, man. I mean, we played there a couple of years ago. Snoop Dogg was the headliner. We're pl- yeah, we're playing again. <laughs> we're playing again this year, and I can't remember who the headliner was, is playing the night that I'm playing. You know, and and they go like seven days, man, and and it's usually sold out every day. Seven days? I, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was that big. Yeah, the Ottawa Blues Festival wow. is huge. Huh. That's one of that's get, one of the ones we're doing. Get to work. work. Yeah, <laughs> but I think you know, I think you know, if if that people took more of a chance and started like you know, misogynating music a little bit, you know, these festivals uh, and putting you know a, a little bit more diversity, you know, across genre, and get it would help get more people interested in blues. And more blues fans interested in other things, you know, too, you know. Yeah, but, I, uh, I, I mean, I think that the really, the important part for me is introducing this music to a younger generation, because who's, who's going to continue, who's continuing it on, you know? There's just a smaller and smaller and smaller collection of musicians that are playing this music. And not that, not, not from a purist standpoint, but just from... You know, a generalized standpoint. Like you, you talk to like Curtis, yeah. Curtis Salgado. Yeah. I know you know who I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying for the for the listening audience. But you talk to Curtis, and he says like soul and R and B and funk and uh, it's all blues. <laughs> it's all blues. Oh yeah, definitely. you know, it's all it all comes from the same spot. You know, well, it's all it's all you know. I think that obviously, you know, all our music comes from blues in, in one way or another. All modern music does. You and I know this. It's just that there's so so much money, big money in pop music that they control the radio airwaves. They control the television, you know, any music you hear on TV or in movies. They're controlling all that stuff. And they're going to sell their artists, and they're going to sell to kids. They're not selling to adults. They're selling to kids. That's what they're selling to. And they and they know that the kids are going to want, you know, a certain thing, and they package it for kids, and they write the songs basically for kids. And, you know, it's not adult music that they're packaging any of this right. for. But... As far as like carrying on blues and soul and jazz and stuff, there's always going to be some kid that's going to be interested in it. There's always going to be some kid like you and I, when we were young enough to go, hey, what's that? You know, when we hear something and we're going to follow it, we're going to follow that path and find out more about it. I don't think we're ever going to lose it. I, I, I firmly believe that there's always some kid Sitting in his room right now, listening to you know Sun House, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, even, even if even if there was a generation where it just kind of 
petered off for a while. At some point, someone's going to hear because the record, the music doesn't go away. It's still there. Yeah, the music is still happening. Well, there, yeah. So I, somebody's got to hear it eventually. But yeah. my my thing is getting it introduced to because you're right. It's all all kids are. Well, every generation has someone that does that. Each generation has someone that piques an interest. You know, our generation was Steve Ray Vaughan, man. Steve Ray yeah. Vaughan was our generation. He's the guy that really kind of kick-started blues back in, in, into business. Even the older guys. When I was with Jimmy Rogers back then, even Jimmy Rogers said, Oh, man, Wolf would have Stevie Ray Vaughan, man. And I'd be still back playing, you know, little clubs in Chicago. No shit. I mean, all, all so those I guys, wanted to talk to you about Jimmy Rogers a lot, too, because... Yeah, well, we could talk. Yeah, but all those guys acknowledge it. And, you know, for better or worse, there's always someone out there. And, and you know, Joe Bonamassa, there's a lot of talk. I see, I see a lot of stuff on social media, you know, guys in the blues world bashing Joe Bonamassa, Okay. I don't. I don't get that. Let me, I'll just say that right off. I, I don't get it. I don't understand why. But uh, why they bash him? Or well, I get it. It's not. He's not quote traditional. He's on right. the rockier side of blues. Right. But exactly, the motherfucker can play. He can. He play can his play his ass, ass off. And if he wants to play traditional blues, he can. He can. I mean, I saw a video just recently of him when he was like 15 years old. Someone did like this documentary on him, and he's playing like some crazy good stuff at 15, man. Yeah. Um, but like, there is a guy who has a great business model. Obviously, he's selling out theaters yeah. wherever he goes. Just sold out Red Rocks three nights in a row. And while he sold out Red Rocks three nights in a row, it was devoted to Muddy Waters and Holland Wolf. Mm. That was his whole thing. Was it was a night of Muddy Waters and Holland Wolf music. Now he did it his way. He and she, he had Kirk Fletcher playing behind him. On the oh, stage and Reese really? Winans on Orient. Kirk was in the band. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's great. You know, how great for Kirk. And so, like, I mean, you could bash someone like that because he's not quote unquote traditional or, or whatever. You can bash him because he, his ads are a little over the top of where I've seen the ads like, if you like the Rolling Stones, you're like Joe Bond. Well, so what, man? The guy's smart. He's, he's trying to get people interested. And if he can get some young kid that thinks his flashing guitar playing is cool enough to go, Oh, who's this Muddy Waters he's talking about? And maybe that yeah. kid will go back and buy some Muddy Waters or can go, oh wait, I want to learn how to play this too. So I, I don't think there's anything bad about any of that kind of stuff, man. I agree with that. I agree um, with that completely. I, I think that, I think, I think we need guys like that. I agree. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the, the traditional side of blues, which I'm all for, I love traditional blues. You know me, man. I, I come from a traditional, Lately, in the last few years, I've gone a little bit more modern and mainstream with my music, but but I'm playing to an audience that doesn't generally, you know, I'm not trying to sound pretentious, but most of my audience doesn't get traditional blues. Right. I I think most most audiences nowadays at a festival, they, they don't go that deep that you and I go, or right. that someone like Rick Estrin or Little Charlie or or James Harmon goes. They don't go that deep. They might like when they hear it, but they don't, I don't think they completely understand the depth of it. Well, it's funny. There's a whole, there's a whole generation of people that at a lot of these festivals mm-hmm. that are just fans of the bands that are there, the modern bands that right. are there, right. not fans of the people where those bands came from. They're right. not, they're not fans of the guys that you and I listen to to go, 
holy shit, what is this? Yeah. You know, they're fans of, you know, of you and they're fans yeah. of, you know, of, of, you know, and Janet of Magnus or right. fans of Joe Bonamasso, you know, right. they're and, not. And, they, and, and my point is like with that, where you're going with it is like, are we on stage getting paid, you know, whatever little or, or as much as we get for whatever gig it is? Are we on that stage to entertain or are we on that stage to educate? Hmm. Why not both? Why not both? But first and foremost, we're there to entertain. Amen. First and foremost, that's we're what there, you're getting paid. That's what you're getting paid for. We're there to <laughs> entertain. Okay. Yep. And if you can educate them a little bit, you can. But I think sometimes, like, if you push it down their throat, you're just going to alienate most of your crowd. Hmm. You know? And, and again, like playing with the older guys, like I, I was lucky, man. I got a chance to play with Jimmy Rogers and Pine Top and Willie Big Eyes and Junior Walls, all these guys. And you know what all those guys said? Every one of those guys said the same thing. They don't, they didn't want to see blues turn into a museum piece. Hmm. You know? Because when those guys started playing, playing music and playing blues, they played it because that's all they knew how to play. And they played it because they were having a ball and they were playing to, to uh, have a good time in a club and entertain a bunch of people in a club that had just busted their ass all week at their jobs. They were coming out, having a couple of drinks to dance, get up, shake their, shake their asses and sweat and have a, have a fucking ball, man. Yeah. They weren't playing so that someone could, you know, see them under a glass case and, and study it and go, Hmm, do you see the infl- the, the nuance of what he's doing in the, in the color and the, <laughs> look at the brush strokes here. Yeah. No, they were playing so that people could fucking, you know, slug down, you know, some ice cold beer and a couple shots and sweat their ass off and, yeah. you know, find some chick that they could take home and, you know, go make babies. That's what they did it for. Right. And that's essentially what we're supposed to be doing, you know. But again, like I said, you know, Sure, it would be nice to be able to educate them a little bit too, just so that people know of this great music that I think, I don't know, I, I get the feeling like I, I think there's a lot of musicians out there that want to just claim this music as our very own and they, you know, and, and it, they want like this exclusive, exclusive rights to say, no, you know, this is our music and, and you don't understand it. And, and if you don't understand it, shame on you. Yeah, there's it's, definitely a lot of that happening. You know, I, you, I, I'll be honest. I used to be of that mindset. I went through a long period of time. I mean, you remember me when I had my slick back hair and I had my big box guitar and my tweed amps. And, Heck yes. And you know what? I used to, I went through a long period where I would not, I wouldn't even listen to the radio. I didn't want to hear anything on the radio. I didn't want to hear, I, I grew up listening to Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Traffic, Blind Faith, ZZ Top, all those bands. But then when I found traditional blues, I went hard and, and deep into it. And I didn't want to hear anything but traditional blues. And then something clicked in my brain one day, probably all those older guys basically saying, you know, hey, you know, it's all all right as long as the people are having a good time. Yeah. You know, and I started going back and listening to those records that I listened to when I was a kid. I was like, yeah, you know, it is. It's it's blues-based. It comes from blues. 
you know, why can't we take this wonderful music and do something a little different that the mainstream audience can accept a little bit more? Yeah. You know. I'm all, I'm all for anything that introduces this music in whatever capacity to a younger audience because the reason that it's not popular is because they don't have the opportunity to hear it. Right. If it was played on the radio all the time, people would be singing Jimmy Rogers songs and Marty Waters tunes walking right. around. You know, they wouldn't be singing It's All About the Bass, you know. Yeah. They'd be singing Chicago Bound. Or, you know? And again, I think that goes back to what I said earlier. I think the way we segregate our music is a little bit, you know, has a little to do with that. I think as long as you segregate it and you have this group of people that say, no, this is just our music, well, then you're kind of, you know, excluding all these other people out there that maybe don't really want to go that deep into the educational and the history of it, but they just want to hear good music. But now you're excluding them because they're, they're not as educated as you about who, uh, you know, Bucka White was or who, you know, Charlie <laughs> Patton was or, you know, or who Bobby King was for that matter, you know, and like, you know, most of your audience probably doesn't even know who Bobby King is. Who, who cares? You know, who, by the way, was a great guitar player in the 60s and 70s in Chicago. Uh, anyways, but, you know, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like, for me, the, the, the route I'm taking these days seems way more natural than when I was trying to be, for lack of a better word, you know, and, and this is nothing against the guys out there that are doing it, but I, I kind of thought of myself as a cartoon character then, hmm. you know. Interesting. Like I was playing, playing a part instead of just being myself, hmm. you know. But, you know, I, well, you got to be yourself, man. Yeah, you know, man. <laughs> you got to be yourself, and you know, and 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 if you want, if 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 that's your stance, that traditional music is all you want to play, I got no problems with that, man, because I love traditional blues, I do, and and I fully, you know, I completely understand why guys will only stick with that genre their whole life, you know, but. I also like other kinds of music too, you know, and I'm not going to deny myself that I do. You know, I just can't help it. I mean, I like, I like country music. I do. I, I love good country music. I love good soul music. I love, there's classical music. I like, I, I would never try to play classical music. There are, you know, I love all kinds of music, man. I'm not going to deny myself. And, no, I'm not and, sure and I think like for me personally, that that limits my scope of of you know here we go pretentious again uh limits my scope of my creativity when i play you know i i find nowadays that i you know the creativity that you know that i that i can that i have is way wider now mm. you know when i play but uh but definitely, it all comes straight from from the blues. I mean, the first thing I'll tell someone is, I'm a blues guitar player. What, whatever you hear me play that night, you can call it whatever you want. But I know from myself that whatever's coming out of me 
is coming from a, a, a from from a foundation of beliefs. Right. Well, we my band my band covers a lot of ground. We do. I mean, we play a lot of traditional stuff. You know, we play Wolf and Muddy and Junior Wells, and you know, we play a lot of traditional stuff. But we also play. You know, we do some R and B stuff. We do some soul stuff. We do some. You know, some jump blues, Oni Harris and Louis Jordan and, you know, Big Joe Turner. And, you know, so we cover a lot of different bases, mm-hmm. but it's all blues. Right. You know? It's all in the end, just like what you said. When right. you, at the end of the night, when you ask me what I, what I do, I say I, I, I sing blues. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, that's why I say, like, I think we need to get, you know, more people or just more festivals in this country to, to like in, include a wider genre of blues-based music in their festivals. You know, why not have some bluegrass artists? Why not have some country artists? Why not have some jam band artists? Why not have some rock artists and, and blues artists? And just, you know, just have, you know, a music appreciation festival. Why has it got to be just a blues festival? Why has it got to be just, you know? Well, they have. I think they have, there are a lot of those that cover a wide, you know, not to. I mean, like big festivals, yeah. like stuff like Coachella or, or. Uh, yeah, but you rarely or, uh, see, you rarely see guys like you and I on those festivals. That's true. That's yeah. true. Or uh, like South by Southwest, they have they have you know you see North Mississippi All Star, yeah. you see guys like that that are that are on that edge. Yeah. In places like that, you yeah, know? but that and but then but that's also mostly an, a music industry type of deal too for South by Southwest. That was basically started as a music industry showcase. South by Southwest, really? It was just, yeah, it was originally it was basically just for music industry people. It, it huh. blossomed and grew into something bigger, but it but essentially it's a music showcase for industry people. Huh? Yeah. It's a bunch of bands trying to get their bands shown in front of a bunch of record labels and really. So bands. is that so people aren't making money? Is that they don't pay a, a whole hell of a really? lot? Really? I didn't know that at all. Go, a lot of guys go down there and play for free. Really? Yeah. Huh. I had no idea. I mean, it's a great thing if you can get on it nowadays. It's it's extremely hard to even get on, even to play for free. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Please, sir. Please, sir. Might I please come down and play for free for you? Please. I should, I should play for nothing. <laughs> I shall promise you I will play my best That's song right. ever. <laughs> I shall play for bags of air. <clears throat> but, I, you know, there are festivals out there that are multi-genre and, you know, genre-crossing festivals. I just don't think there's enough. Or enough with clout, like there used to be. Hmm. You know, there used to be like the festivals had clout and had, you know, were respected festivals that had more, you know, going on than just strictly blues and stuff, you know. Um, the, the other big problem that I have with blues today is the fact that uh, we have blues societies in this country that don't support blues. Yeah, that's a weird and, thing. And, and they don't support <laughs> blues in the way they should. It, it almost becomes like like this high school clique. Like you got these people in these societies that you know they're bickering with each other in in their own society, and they're mad at the guy next to them because you know 
uh, he's not supporting some local band in town, uh, you know, or he doesn't like traditional blues and this guy likes modern blues and stuff, you know. There's too much of that going going on in, in the blue societies that I that that I run across. I think uh, there also used to be. A, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. There also used to be a lot more. Um, the word I'm looking for. Clout. Yeah. <laughs> used to be a lot more. Is that the word you just yeah. used to? Yeah. yeah. Clout. Used to be a lot more clout for blue societies. They used to be held. You know, it was a. You know, it was a. It was a big deal. Yeah. To be involved in something that, say, something like the Boston Blue Society right. put on, and not that I'm not trying to shit on the Boston Blue Society. I'm not trying to single them out or point a finger right. at all. I'm just saying that over the course of the years, it's just it's not as big of a deal anymore. I mean, they I was I was excited that I, I saw them at your show last night. They had a little table and they, yeah. they were out there, you know, supporting it and putting it together. But I didn't hear anything about your show from them. And I'm connected to them. I go to their website regularly. I'm connected to them on Facebook and all that. And I'm not, again, I'm not shitting on the Boston Blues Society. Right. I'm just saying that, you know, 20 years ago, if the Boston Blues Society put on a show, everybody and their brother went to that show. Right. You know? They went, hey, uh, whatever, wh- whoever is in town, you know, yeah. uh, you know, James Harmon's in town. And then everybody from all around went to that Harmon show. Right. And now it's like trying to get people out to shows from guys that are, you know, incredible guys that are that are have been around for so long. It's a much harder proposition. You know, it's a much harder proposition. And those blue societies aren't. And also, there's all of that infighting and bickering. There's all this splitting off of, yep. you know, like the Boston Blue Society. Now there's like a Massachusetts Blue Society and a New England Blue Society <laughs> that have splintered yeah. off of the Boston Blue exactly. Society. They're both, they, all three of them operate out of out of Massachusetts, you know. And uh, and then New Hampshire started one up. I don't know. It's been <clears throat> I don't know ten years maybe ago. Mm-hmm. But I think there might be two of those too. I think there might be a New Hampshire Blue Society and a Granite State Blue Society. Well, I remember when they started the uh, the Windy City Blue Society in Chicago a few years back, and uh, my wife wanted to join it. I said, "I think you're going to find out that you're not going to have as much fun as you think you are." And she found out within the first year exactly that. You know, just a bunch of people. Arguing and bickering, bickering with each other about whose taste was better than the other person sitting next to them. Hmm. You know, um, they got there's blue societies in this country that that I try to contact when I'm coming into their town, and I've been told straight out, "Oh, we don't support national acts; we only support our local artists." Well, what's the point in having a blue society in your town if you're not going to support the national acts? Because I'm going to be honest with you. If there's no national acts coming into your town or you're not supporting those national acts, guess what? Those clubs are going to end up either closing down or, or taking blues off their roster, which yeah. means your local artists aren't going to have a place to play. Yeah. If you don't, you know, one supports the other. You can't just say, I'm just supporting the local artists because really the club's going to go, I'm paying this national act all this money and no one's coming in why are we even having blues then your local artist is going to you know feel that yeah that's a weird uh, 
That doesn't make any sense to me. No, believe me, I understand, man. That doesn't make any sense at all. You know, what if what if Robert Cray calls them up? You know, they're gonna say that to Robert Cray. Oh, sorry, we don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I could put ten thousand seats and butts in seats, but yeah, you're not or, gonna support it. Or or, or, <laughs> or, or here's another scenario. I, I'll go out, and I'm not gonna name names, but I, this has happened many times. Went to a club, and someone will go, "Oh, I'm from the Blue Society. Oh, that's great, man. I'm glad you showed up, man." How many from the Blue Society are here? Oh, there, we, we've got like six of us over here. Sixty, huh? How many people are in your Blue Society? Oh, we got well over 300 here. Where are the rest of them? Huh? Six of you guys showed up? Out of 300? How are you engaging your Blue Society to support Blues if only six of you guys are showing up at a gig? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, you just told me the wrong thing, man. <laughs> Bully for you and your blue society when only six of you guys show up. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, you know, I guess, you know, it, it's up to us as artists to, to try and, <clears throat> you know, promote ourselves. But it, but when the clubs aren't really promoting you as hard as they should be either, and then you've got a blue society in town. And you try to get them engaged to help too, and they're not doing doing it. Most clubs are so disassociated from what we do as music anymore. It's not they're not connected to promoting us. They're not connected to the music that we do. And then the problem that I find a lot is that the club owners don't know what good music is. So here's the thing: if we, if you have a club and they always have good music, yeah. They always have good bands. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a crowd there that's just there because they love the club yeah. because there's always good music here. Yeah. You know they know if they show up at Tupelo Music Hall. I'm just using that as an example, right. but it's not it's not a club. It's a so they. Don't, but I'm just saying it as an example. If they show up at Tupelo on a Friday night. There's always gonna be a badass band there. Right. That's not the case. Most places are they're trying to find what what works with their budget, right. what they can get a band for. Yeah. And what what their ear hears that is good, which is, you know, you can be fooled a lot. Yeah. You know, and guys that don't know good music can be fooled more often. Right. You know, but, you know, there's we were talking about an artist the other day who's really not very good, but you listen to the person's record and it's like, wow, that sounds like it's a good band. You're looking at me like you don't remember the conversation. I but do, you know, I do, right. Actually. So it's. I'm just thinking about the multitude of artists that are like. Yeah. So, but you go to see the band live and it's like, ugh, what was that? But you hear the record and you go, wow, that was, that's well, pretty well, damn that's good. Because, man, that's because you can make anything sound good in the You're right. You know. Right. But that's what they're giving, that's yeah. what they're giving a club. So the club has that as their guideline. Yeah, the proof is you in know? the pudding on the live performance. That's, 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 that's generally it. But, you know, getting people, as they say, asses and seats, you know, you're right. I think a lot of clubs don't understand the importance of promotion or they, or good or, bands or, well, or they, or they put it on the artists right. to do the promotion. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not from Boston or I'm not from Rhode Island, or I'm not from New Hampshire, which I'm not, I'm from Chicago. Um, Shouldn't you be liable for the promotion in your venue? You think? You know, you know, at least 
you know, in a in, in a larger capacity than than what most of these places are showing. You know, they they want you to be doing all the promotion, um, and you're the first person they contact, or you're the first person that hears it when it, when it when it goes bad. Well, this is your club. Okay. Yeah, I don't it's, it's, it's a weird onus. It's a weird onus that they put on. And some of, I agree. I agree yeah. with it to an extent. Yeah. I mean, I think you know. I think it's certainly our. We have to do our due diligence to yeah. try and get. If we're in a place and we know people, yeah. to try and get those people to come out. Yeah. You know. But certainly, you know, like regionally, you have a certain. You have a. I have a certain ability regionally. Right. You have a certain ability where you have the most friends, the most family to get, you know, people out there. Right. Obviously, when we're traveling, it's a lot tougher. Right. But I get that. It's it's part of my responsibility to try and get people out there. But it's not, doesn't rest on our shoulders completely. It doesn't rest on my shoulders completely. It should be a symbiotic thing. Right. You know, they should be doing their due diligence as we're doing our due yeah. diligence. And that's what drives me crazy is like, they go, you got to get people down there. And then you go to their website and it's like not, if, you know, it's not listed or, or they haven't, you're on their mailing list and then they, their, their mailing list comes out and you're not on it. Me, and you go, yeah. you know, like I, there's a place that I play in Boston. I'm not going to name a name, was, but they do, they do a mailing list. Well, I was just, I was just told very recently, man, by, by a very well respected venue, um, when we asked for their media list, the response we got back was, oh, the people on our media list aren't going to do anything for you. Hmm. Well, wait, you're the venue and it's your media list and you work with these people. Why can't, why wouldn't they do anything for me? I'm playing in your venue. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, I know the place that you're, because uh, 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 we've had a conversation yeah. about it. So I, I yeah. and I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't. I'm trying to do my due diligence by asking you right. your media you're list. You're right. <laughs> and you're telling me, I, you know. Or, or the fact that they have like social media and I'm, lo I'm looking at their social media pages every day and I don't see one mention of my upcoming show. And then I'm posting stuff on their page and they're not reposting it. It's a weird thing. You know. <laughs> it's a strange thing. It's a, we had this conversation the other day and it's kind of like sometimes you feel like venues I don't know if it's like they they want to see you fail. It's like they it's like they want you to like they like they want to see you fail. I, so I, the, so the next time you you come to them and yeah. want a gig, yeah. they they go well, it just didn't work out. It wasn't a or you know? or or maybe it's they want you to they want you to earn your spot on their roster for for when you do return. Then hmm? maybe they want you to do well and see how how hard you're going to work. To do well for them the first time in so that they know that if they rebook you, it's going to be okay. Maybe it's that way. Who knows? But still, you'd think that they would at least make it a little easier for you. If they, it doesn't if take any effort. If they're expecting you to do it, you think they'd make, give you a little, little boost or a little, a hand in, in, in it rather than tell you, oh, the army list isn't going to do anything for you. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of social media is that it takes such little effort to reach a giant audience yeah. like that yeah. in a snap of a finger, right. you know? It's like you have 4,000 people on your list or whatever, and you can reach them like that. Right. 
It's not even, you're not even, it's not even, it's not even you have to go down, it's not like we used to have to go down to the newspaper, you figure out an ad, you get the ad, you pay them the money, they send it out, the newspaper, everybody gets the newspaper, hopefully they come to your page. It goes out like that now, it's a done deal. Everybody that's in your circle of people on whatever social media platform you have, all those people are getting that information immediately. Hey, I have a show tonight, boom, 5,000 people know that in a second from when you just thought it to when you put it in and threw it out on the internet. All of a sudden people know that. Right. And it's, it's amazing to me that companies in this day and age don't take, don't take the responsibility of doing something so simple to help promote, you know? Yeah, that's true. There's but it's, you know, you know who knows? Who knows what for, the, we go on for hours about that stuff, you know. But, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of things that could be done in our business that would help, would help out, you know. Again, Blue Society is coming out and supporting by a show of more than six people at a show would be awesome. Mm. If you got 300 people, you can't get 30 people to come out to a gig in your Blue Society. Then yeah, you, I might, even... you might as well fold. Your blue society. I don't even know. I don't even know what uh, you know. How many people are involved in the blue societies anymore? You know, I feel like it's like a a board of directors, and then that's it. There's there's eight people that make decisions on how money's spent and where they allocate their time. Right. And then who else is a member of the blue society beyond that? People that. Well, I don't know. They obviously. They're obviously. Eight. You know, if, if they're telling me they got 300, I mean, I don't think they're lying, you know. But even even if it was only 50 or 100 people in the Blue Society, right, you can't get 20 people to come out to a show, 20, 30 people. You know, mm -hmm. that, would, that would help your legitimacy as a Blue Society with the club. And I have no problems telling a club, if a Blue Society says, hey, you know, we'd like to support your club, is there any way we can get some kind of discount for our members? I'll gladly pay. You mind knocking five bucks off a ticket if Blue Society members show their badges or whatever? Yeah. Most clubs are like, okay. Yeah, yeah. But nowadays, a lot of clubs say, oh, Blue Society, they don't do shit for me. Blue Society don't, don't support my club. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I hear that a lot from major blues venues in towns where there's major blues societies. They don't do shit for me. Hmm. You know? And that's... That's what's wrong. That's a big wrong. That's a big no-no in my book. If you got the club in your town, the club in your town, telling me, eh, Blue Society ain't doing shit for me. They're not showing up. They're not supporting me or my shows. Why are you huh. in the Blue Society then? You know? That's weird. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense, man. It doesn't. A lot of that doesn't make sense to me at all. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, maybe... Uh, who knows? Going off, going off track from the Blue Society stuff too. I also think, like, along the lines of the festival kind of stuff that we were talking about, why not have big shows, major shows? You know, maybe at a larger venue with a larger, you know, getting the kids involved. Here, here's another idea. Um, we just played the Beachland Ballroom in, in Cleveland, which is a really cool old venue, old school ballroom, and they've got a lot of, you know. 
fairly big name acts that play. They generally draw more of a jam band crowd, younger younger kids into the jam band, into the the that that uh, what that neo soul kind of stuff too. Yeah. And I had a talk with the with, with the guy. I said, "Look, man, he loves our band. He loves what we did. We play in the smaller room." Yeah. How said, big is the smaller room? Yeah, maybe two two fifty. They can fit in the smaller room. And how two, big is the bigger one? The big room that can fit five to seven hundred people in. Okay. Okay. Um, I said, you know, you love our, you love what we do. How about the next time I come through? When you have a cool jam band that you think that we could pair well with. Because my music, I can, I can take a lot of what we do and, and pretty, pretty much fit in with the jam band or even the soul kind of stuff. We can take, we can tailor our sets to be a little bit more similar to that. Yeah, well, Michael's a, Michael's a hell of a soul singer. (laughs) He can sing it all. Dude, that's, that, not to get off topic, but that, the one song that you did in between Jason and Ray last night oh, yeah. were the slow tune that yeah, he so sang. Yeah, going to be on the new record. Oh, just wrote my that song. God. Yeah. What a song. Oh, I had man. goosebumps right now just talking about it. I had goosebumps last night listening to it, man. I was so badass. Man, I appreciate that. I wrote, I wrote the music and then I wrote uh, half the lyrics for it and I had him write the other half of the lyrics for it and it was kind of a deal where, uh, I, I think, I don't know if I explained it last night, but you know, Michael being a new father and stuff, um, I kind of watched him while while his while while his lady was pregnant the whole time. I watched his transformation from the time he found out that he was going to be a dad to the time his his daughter was born, and it was a drastic transformation in his character and his demeanor and everything. Really? Yeah. And huh. one of the things that you'll probably know being a new father is the. Um, the panic that comes right around the time when the babies do. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, as a new parent, as a new father, I'm sure mothers get it, but especially fathers, your first kid, there's this panic that comes over you right around the time when the baby's about to come out. And the right time, you, you just think, oh my God, I'm going to be a dad. Oh my God, I have a, a, a new life that I'm responsible for. Holy shit! What's going to happen to me? Not just to the family, but what's going to happen to me? Yeah. I was scared shitless. Oh, I was all, scared. We all, we all were and, shitless, and, and, and I and I watched Michael go through it, and to the point where Michael was considering leaving the band. Michael was like, "I don't know if I can even be in the band anymore," you know. And I I just looked at him. I said, "Dude, you're going to hear a lot of stuff from a lot of people. Everyone's going to tell you their opinion on what what's going to be like to be a parent, and a lot of it's true." I said, "But I can tell you this: as a musician and a parent, the one thing I can tell you is this: is your life is going to be exactly the same as it was. Only you're going to have a kid now. <laughs> Everyone says all oh, your life's going to change. No, it's not going to change. It's exactly the way it was. Only you got a kid now." Okay? You just have a kid. That's it. It's a kid. Do what you think is best. Do how you were raised. You were raised by good parents. Your father's awesome. Your mom's awesome. They raised you right. You'll be fine raising your daughter. You're going to be an awesome dad. 
Yeah, but your life is not going to change. Dad. You're going to be exactly the same. You're going to be Michael Ledbetter, who's had a God-given talent, you know, bestowed upon him. But you're going to have a daughter. So let me mm-hmm. just tell you something, man. Take a breath, bro, and chill. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just take a deep breath. Well, I'm I, I, as a fan, I'm very excited that he didn't leave the band. <laughs> oh, me too. You know what I mean? He brings a lot to our shows and... and and, uh, you know, I think he's excited and he figured it out, you know, and, and that's where that song came from. The song's called Breathe Easy. And, you know, and there's a line in there that said, you know, um, take a look at the life you gave, you know, because that love is the love that's going to save. Hmm. That's, that's heavy. That's, that's your kid, man. And that's because, the whole, that's what the whole song is about? Yeah. Just take, that's a, great. take a breath, man. And. No matter what happens in life. It's like I always say, you know, you know this and every parent probably knows this. It's like, I can't have a bad day when I'm with my kid. No matter how fucked up my day was or how fucked up my week was, no matter what's going on bad, if my daughter is sitting next to me, I can't even think about how bad shit was because she makes it all go away. Yeah. It's amazing to me how it's, it's such an immediate thing. Like something will happen and I'll be like, God fucking damn it! And then my then I'll, then my kid will run in the room and, and it's just like whatever, whatever that was, yeah. I, whatever that was. Who yeah. gives a shit? Yeah. Right, exactly. Like, all right, buddy, what's going on? What are you doing over there? What's happening? We got there. Is that a tractor? Yeah, man. Nice. My and my daughter, she makes me, you know, she makes she makes me laugh. Every, you know, every minute I'm with her, she makes me laugh. And, and you know, here's the weird thing. She makes me laugh to, to 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 the point of heartbreak because I don't know what I would do without her, man. Because and then when I think that thought, I'm like, no, oh, no, don't think that thought, you know? <laughs> because you know, it's like it, I love her so much, it hurts, man. And yeah. I love being around her so much, it's painful a little bit, you know. Yeah, I get that. I you get know? that for sure, man. I, you know, I just I think I. You know, sometimes I just think of what if, you know, like they were my, my wife and my son were supposed to go on a trip tomorrow, and then the whole time I've just been thinking, like Jesus Christ, man, I, I just don't want him to go. I just don't want him to go so bad. I didn't want him to go. Like, yeah. What if? What if this? And what if that? Yeah. What if you this? And what, the if what if that? Ifs, the what ifs. The what it's ifs. Like, the I what can't. ifs are evil, dude. It was brutal, man. I was really having a hard time because it was a long trip. It was a nine-day trip. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be away from you. Not only that, so all the what ifs. I don't want to yeah. be away from you guys for nine days. Right. I'm gonna be lonely for nine days. Me and the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> End up with a pair of uh, 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 well, boxer, take, boxer, take, boxer moccasins. You know, take, uh, take it from pit me. bull moccasins. Take it, take it from me. <laughs> take it from me. I will tell you this much. As much as I love my daughter and as much as I love my wife, uh, I was exactly the same way. Whenever they had to go somewhere, whenever I had to go away, it was like, oh, no, oh, God, I'm going to be away, I'm going to be away. But there's this point where a few days into it, you just go, okay, I'm by myself, I'm cool, you know. It's not as, you know, it's not as drastic as I thought it was going to be. But man, you almost can recharge yourself for for, for a few days, hmm. and and just relax. And I'll tell you what, when they come back, man, it, it, it's 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 awesome. When they come back, 
But to have the time to yourself too for a couple of days is cool. You'll be fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. You'll be fine. Yeah, I was good with, uh, you know, you're going to go away for five days. That's good. A week. That's a little bit long. Nine days. I was like, what? Nine days? What do you mean you're going for nine days? Yeah, man. Well. And it's, it didn't have anything to do with my complaining or crying about it. It was just the way things worked out. The trip didn't go, but the trip didn't end up happening. And I was secretly very, very, very happy. I was like, yay, I get my family gets to stay. I get to hang out with my family. Well, brother, we're coming up here pretty close to an hour. Oh, man. I think we're going to wrap things up, my brother. We're going to do this again. Yeah, definitely. It's so easy talking to you, you know. It makes it it makes it for an easy easy podcast, you know. I had a good time, man. And if uh, if anyone wants to check out where we're going to where the Nick Moss band is going to be, you can just go to my website, nickmoss.com. And I've got a Facebook page and a Twitter account. I'm sure you can just figure it out. <laughs> don't 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 ever lose nickmossband.com. You'll be screwed. They're gonna they're gonna hijack it. No, I, I, they'll hijack it. It's people, people. That's what they do now. If you have like a long-standing web uh, website, yeah. if you ever like let it go, yeah. they'll snatch it up and, then, and they hang onto it and they uh, want it. They hold it for ransom for like ten thousand bucks. They want. That's the beauty of being uh, married to somebody, you know, in the uh, uh, the industry. As far as you know, she's a graphic designer and all this shit, so she'll never let any of our. Very good. Web, in fact, she was smart enough when my daughter was born to buy uh, the domain name CDMayMoss.com. Good for her. She was pretty pretty good. Beautiful. She already got that domain name. Yeah. Whatever you end up doing, here's your website for it. That's right. <laughs> You're going to be an architect? Done. You're going to be a yeah. doctor? Done. You're going to be a musician? Done. It's right there for you. <laughs> she's, she's pretty good, that Kate Moss. She <laughs> figured great. it out. But, uh, hey, man, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. Thank you for doing it, brother. It's been a pleasure. All right, man. All right. Over and out. Once again, this episode of the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast is brought to you by Pizza 911. What is your pizza emergency? Voted Best Pizza in Manchester by the Hippo Press. If you mention you heard about Pizza 911 on the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast, they will give you some free breadsticks. Their phone number is 603-625-2201. Call them up and order some food right now. Also, we are brought to you by Team Link. Team Link hooks at New Hampshire. Uh, if you want to go train somewhere where there's a lot of really knowledgeable people and not a lot of meatheads that are going to try and hurt you, um, go check out Team Link of Hookset. If you mentioned that you heard about them on the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast, they will give you free, 30 free days, not free, 30 free days of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, kickboxing, whatever it is that you want to study. And they'll also give you a free t-shirt. So head on down there and look for Ed Carr. He's the owner. He's a great guy. And he really knows his stuff. You can give them a call, too, at 603-641-3444. Thank you so much for listening to the Ridiculous Nicholas podcast, and we'll see you next week. Ridiculous Nicholas.